Down to Business with Bobby Kerr. Brought to you by Bank of Ireland on News Talk. But first up, we're going to have a look at uh, some business stories that have been breaking overnight. Delighted to be joined by the uh, John Mulvill, who is the digitalisation lead at Siemens, and also Lorcan Allen, the business editor with the Sunday Post. Good morning to you both. Lorcan, we might start with you. On the front page of the Irish Times, Microsoft sends non-taxable 98 billion, that's uh, euros, to the US via a little-known Irish company. The numbers here are just eye-watering. They are, Bobby, yeah. Like, I mean, we're starting to, sort, I suppose, see some of the, uh, what this report is essentially saying, we're starting to see some of the the amount of money that's been funneling funneled through Ireland uh, for some of these US tech multinationals because of some of the recent changes we've had in the OECD tax uh, rules for, yeah. for global multinationals. So what, what Arthur Beasley is reporting here this morning in the Irish Times is, is about Microsoft and how over the last number of years it's uh, sent almost 100 billion euros in dividends back to its parent company. Now, you know, the figures of Microsoft are published every year. They're a stock market listed company. They're published on the their, their main company. They're an American company. American company published, that, that, published their annual results. That, but the that Irish, a lot of value here. They, they do add a lot of value here. They employ an awful lot of people here. They've been in Ireland for a long time and they do pay a lot of tax here. I mean, yeah. this, this company, this entity has paid no tax on this dividends that it's pushing back into the US and the company says that that's tax compliant. And then other entities of Microsoft have paid almost over 3 billion euros yeah. in tax to the Irish state over the last year. So again, like, I mean, the the numbers are staggering. Like, And, uh, you know, the government's tax, corporate tax receipts have surged over the last five years because of some of the changes. And Microsoft is one of these 10 companies that accounts for over half of all of our tax, yeah. corporate tax results. And, and this is what these figures are starting to fully show for the very first time how reliant we are on some of the big tech multinationals yeah. for corporate And tax. I think Arthur Beasley is also telling us, Joan, that it, this is likely to get bigger. You know, that the, the looking at the figures of over the last two years, uh, he's certainly predicting that this is going to continue for a while yet. Yeah, exactly. He did point <clears> out an expansion um, in terms of their financial activity and what they're going to be paying overall. And I guess uh, Lorcan has said it there already, we've got to focus on the positive. I mean, they do pay a huge amount of corporate corporation tax here. We can get distracted by oh, the bits that they're not paying tax on. But the reality is we're in a global economy. They're a global business, never mind an American business, but they're a global business. And I suppose my little note to myself is don't hate the player, hate the game. I mean, it's not Microsoft. They're doing, they're absolutely tax compliant. And it's the same with uh, same with Apple, a lot of the other large technology companies. So Yeah, um, interesting as well on Apple, uh, Lorcan, uh, the, comp- the accounts don't disclose precisely how much corporation tax was paid in Ireland for Apple is one of a handful of large multinationals um, driving tax revenue. But they do note that the 12.5% corporate tax charge would have resulted in corporation taxes of nearly €8 billion. Yeah, but that and again, that's if they applied that tax to um, you if. know for if they applied that tax to you know funds profits that were generated in other countries, and that's what these these OECD tax rules have tried to make clear that companies are taxed for the activities in the countries that they're operating in. Um, so, like, I mean, it, it wouldn't be Apple wouldn't be taxed on activities that it's doing in different European countries. Yeah. Here, it pays tax on you know what the Irish company uh, uh, again here, but again, it's another illustration of 
just how big the numbers are for these US multinationals. I mean, some of them are bigger than the Irish state itself, yeah. uh, given the size of the and scale of them over. All right. Well, whatever you think, there's there's certainly one positive angle on it. Um, the front page of the Irish Times also tells us, Joan, that rooms used for Airbnb while tenants were still in the house. And again, uh, this is a, a tenants of a, of a property investor. Uh, uh, for a case that was heard at the Residential Tenancies Board. Uh, rooms used for Airbnb when tenants still in the house doesn't sound great. It's quite shocking reading yeah. when you read it, the idea that you could be renting a house and then randomers rocking up the door saying, oh, I'm sorry, I'm booked in here for an Airbnb. Sorry, where do I do my washing? Where do I do my washing? Going, do you live here now? Who, who are these people? Oh, no, they're gone again. So, yeah, quite shocking. Now, I do have to be careful because it does say here that Mr Goddard has appealed the RTB ruling with the final decision being awaited. But it it is... Uh, there's a lot in the news in the last couple of years, but particularly in the last couple of months in relation to Airbnb. And obviously there's some other stories today uh, looking at legislation around that. But this particular case and in fact, uh, Mr. Goddard has a has a company uh, called Green Green Label, isn't it? Yes. And it, it's, not, it's not an isolated incident. The one house there are there are others as well. Um, he's a native of Luxembourg. Um, he's a director of Green Label Property Investments. Um, yeah, 2014. No, I, I think that we're just only starting to see action around, you know, so like as it, 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 this appeared to be a, almost a wild west uh, over the last number of years. So we're starting to see now people being brought to heel, yeah. people being challenged on the use of Airbnb. Well, whatever about using a property as an Airbnb and, and short term letting it. But the fact that blend the two <laughs> things no, between permanent does, sorry, letting it doesn't, and work, it doesn't yeah. work at all. And it just shows that, like, I mean, there is need for proper rules enforcement around if that kind of thing has been going on in the city. I mean, it's, it's just I, not I acceptable. I think it's, it's a general situation that we have around rental property overall, whether it's Airbnb or tenants' rights in general. Um, I think, you know, other countries have a far more sophisticated rental market where this kind of thing couldn't possibly happen. So, Well, I know in the States, in a place that I go to, you're only allowed to rent your property out for 28 days. Yeah. And there's no... Airbnb isn't allowed and the state watch it and your your neighbours will uh, let the, the authorities know if they see anything other than 28 daylights happening. Yeah. And that that actually works. Yeah, and uh, presumably designed to keep... Um you know, take the pressure off the rental market if if there was too many of the the rental stock yeah. went out to Airbnbs. And I mean, you know, we've seen it in multiple cities, not just in Ireland, but around Europe, how this how it can impact rents. Just looking when you're there, the owners of rural Airbnb properties could get planning exemption. And again, this is an effort to tidy all this up yeah. and to just bring some sort of order to, to what's going on out there. Exactly. I mean, it's, <laughs> there's no, <laughs> you know, one rule that's going to solve everything here. It is complex. I mean, the market in rental market in Dublin is obviously very difficult different to the market that's in rural towns and you've property owners on the west or in rural areas particularly around the that are heavily reliant on tourism saying yeah. we need Airbnb <clears throat> to rent our properties because we're not going to get permanent tenants otherwise yeah. which is a fair argument so the government has to be able to balance <clears throat> whatever rules it brings in with the needs of those house property owners yeah. and what's happening here in the and city. And unfortunately you're diff- looking at different scenarios if you look at urban versus rural here. I also think too around events like I'm thinking of Mullingar now will have to fly again <laughs> this year. We're not a massive tourist town but we're never going to have enough accommodation unless as a rural town we can do Airbnbs for at least the week or the two weeks around the fly. Mm. So it's to give that kind of flexibility where it's not a long term investment in tourism property but certainly for certain events you need it on those key pressure times. Yeah. 
Um, interesting business story. It's an institution in more ways than one. The Institute of Education, sold by the Kearns family uh, to a UK schools group, Larkin. This is this is a business that's been around a long time, a hugely profitable and I suppose iconic business in some, because they were really the first uh, of the grind schools. And what a legacy. Yeah, it's, it's um, I suppose, the culmination of a business that was started by Ray Kearns, um, many years ago about setting up as you say a grind school in Dublin the Institute of Education has become uh, you know what would the premier uh, place for grinds for Leaving Cert students that gave me flashbacks to my own <laughs> Leaving Cert did days you do, did, you, did you do a, uh, did you do I didn't, I didn't not, not, not in the Institute of Education but I, I certainly had to do a few grinds alright to get my 7,000 students though annually it's like, an incredible success story what they've what and they've if you look there. if you drive down Leeson Street and you look at all those Georgian houses like they just kept growing house by house yeah. over the years and now that 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 institution is one side of the whole street. Correct, yeah. It really I, is amazing. It is amazing. And then it, when you think about it then as well, it, it, it's an absolute brilliant business to go into because we've always had such a strong focus on education in Ireland and our, you know, parents will always want to give their kids the very best education in Ireland to get so they can go to college, get the best jobs. And grinds are always going to be a big part of that when the leaving cert sets the bar of where you can go and what yeah. courses you can do. So but they had moved past grinds though in the last couple of years too. I mean, they were effectively a secondary school and yeah. and really, but it's very much focused on that points race. Um, yeah. And also, Joan, we're not told the figure that it's sold for, and we're seeing an awful lot of this with this kind of consolidation. Uh, this UK Duke ed- Duke's education, they're a large premium education group in the UK. You know, they're they're coming in and they're buying, you know, these are expensive assets. It's interesting. I'd be curious to know, actually, um, whether or not they've bought the asset that is the education, the Institute of Education or whether they've separated out the trading business from the property business. It looks like that they've bought, uh, again, from what I could see, it looks like that they've bought the whole lot. But we don't see the price. But what we do see is that um, the late Ray Kearns, uh, who passed away last April, age 91, he left an estate of 52 million. Yeah, there was money in I, them there hills, isn't there? Which I assumed <laughs> yeah. a large part of was, was that business. And you can see as well, I mean, as you as you rightly said, Bobby, there is a trend in this sort of um, investments. Uh, We're seeing it with vets, with doctors, yeah, but, uh, with but insurance it, companies. Exactly. We've seen a lot of, like, I mean, in, in up in Derry, there's the e-learning company, learning pool that was sold, that was bought by a private equity company and recently sold as well. We've seen the Digital Marketing Institute in Dunleary was sold recently, bought by another UK yeah. based. Uh, so, like, I mean, there's obviously commercial interest in these types of things because people are spending money on, on education yeah. and services. No, you know, and it's also an exit for a family that had, you know, a Correct. very built up a very valuable business over a long number of time. Uh, Joan, the editorial in the Irish Times is telling us that it's time to reward savers and we've heard an awful lot about the 130 billion that's now on deposit across Ireland's financial institutions but people aren't getting much reward for it are they? No they certainly aren't and the line that I had underlined with with asterisks on both sides it says banks say they have also been slow to pass on rate rises to borrowers 
Yeah. What really have they? Have they really? But this is clearly now happening. Yes, it's been happening at an exponential rate. It seems in the last six months in terms of rate rises for borrowers and uh, no correlation in in interest rate rises for for people having money on deposit. I think it'll probably come soon. It's starting to maybe shift slightly, but it has to start. I mean, yeah. you, look, you know, the two ba- the two the three main banks in the country had their annual results recently, and they're all coining it at the minute because of the interest rate rises on. Um, on mortgages uh, but the uh, and even at the, the press conferences for those results there was a lot of questions asked to all three of the CEOs of the banks like when are you putting up the yeah. rates and mm-hmm. we're all shifting oh it's coming you know we have to do this in time but at the minute the margin that they're making on their their loans is, is far ex- but they're, they're also arguing and I don't know how they can argue this that they're using the higher rates they're getting to replenish cash reserves following eight years of paying the ECB to store their customers money I know well it, a, a quick glance at the balance sheets of the three banks at the minute will tell you that like how healthy they are in terms of where yeah. you know they're in, in very good fettle it has to be said and all the dividends they're paying out to shareholders as well Joan just a, a, a quick one in the Irish Examiner around Ireland's surging labour market, some interesting comparisons there around our employment figures uh, versus other countries in Europe. Yes, we're doing really well uh, in terms of unemployment relative to others. Um, uh, you know, the European unemployment rate is 5.9 compared to Ireland, uh, 4.1. So the, nearly a difference of 2% in terms of unemployment. Um, but four countries, Czech Republic, Netherlands, Malta and Poland, were all below 3%. Um, so, um, you know, we're, we're ninth out of the 27 countries. Um, Obviously, countries like Spain obviously have a high unemployment problem still at 12.7, Greece 11.8 and and Italy 7.8, France 6.8. They're high, aren't they? So they're they're high. I I, I didn't realise that, that, you know, we were that much better uh, in in terms of, because we effectively have full employment. We have effectively full employment. And what's interesting, and I mean, if we want to do comparisons, the one that struck me, this is mildly amusing, is um, the number of people who are part time working. and they were asked, what was their reason for part-time working? And uh, females, obviously, uh, accounted for a higher percentage of people who were part-time working because of parental responsibilities and carer responsibilities. And then it says, for male part-timers, the carer role reason for being part-time was unsurprisingly low at 3.5%. So as a society, we have a way to go. There you go. Um, Lorcan, there's no tech workers here in rural Connemara. We can't risk going above the five euro for a pint. This is, you know, it's almost like the Big Mac. It becomes a barometer of currency. Uh, the pint of Guinness. We've heard stories in Temple Bar of people charging eight and nine euros. But here we see somebody selling a pint of Guinness at 390. Yeah. The differences are significant. They are significant. And of course, when people from rural Ireland come up to Dublin for the All Irelands or whatever, they get quite a shock when they come into Dublin and start having to pay prices. I live in Dublin, but I'm from the Midlands. I'll be going down to the Midlands tonight and I look forward to paying cheaper prices for a drink tonight. Um, so it's like, I mean, it is quite a dichotomy um, in terms of when you're 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 buying the, you know, it's the same product, but the prices can be so different in Dublin city centre versus... Well, I think the, the price sensitivity bit where we're hearing a number of businesses here pub businesses in rural Ireland saying we just can't put up, even though Diageo gave a 12% increase in February of this year a lot of these publicans are saying we just can't pass that on. 
Yeah, I think so. And there's something psychological about the five euro mark for a drink. That I think for it used to be two euro with a cup of coffee, yeah. as I recall it. Yeah, and and you just you well we, beyond we, that we, now. We, oh, jeez, are we what? But I, I remember that. But the going over two euro was a huge deal. Yeah, psychologically. And, and I can see why that will be for publicans outside of Dublin, whereas obviously in the city here they're they're long past that, and and they're obviously they're targeting a different market up here. But I mean, it is you know rural pubs are under a lot of pressure and they obviously feel that this is one thing if we have to pass on more it's going to you know result in further loss of business because customers you know simply refuse to pay for uh, drinking Well there's there's a bit of value in the rural pub business Joan Mulwell because the Kilna Scully pub is on the market for 295,000 it's down there in Tipperary but with that for two you get you get a full alcohol licence Plus a three bed and two bed separate accommodation for two nine five. It, the Kilna Scully pub. It's 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 like buying into the fabric of Irish culture. It's like buying Father Ted's house. What can I say? It's super value when it you put. It seems to be well priced. At a it dance, seems to be well priced. There's a lot of property in there, but maybe it's priced to sell. Maybe they're hoping to get uh, like the three lads there in the photo, uh, Jimmy, Dan, and Timmy. Maybe they're hoping to get a bit of competition. Um, Larkin. Um, a good piece by Adrian Weckler today on technology uh, in the Irish Independent. Why are why are bosses cooling on the idea of working from home? He quotes Zuckerberg. Um, he also quotes uh, a U.S. Department of Labor report, just saying that a lot of these big powerhouses aren't that comfortable with this exodus to people uh, working from home. No, and it's not surprising really when you know. <laughs> While workers like working from home and they obviously feel the benefit of it, like these companies at the end of the day, and they've shown it in the last few months with the tech clubs, like they are ruthless. ruthless multinationals yeah. at the end of the day that have to make a profit for their shareholders and make a return. And they'll be looking at productivity. That is the key benchmark for them when it comes to staff. And it's nice to have all the perks that go with working for a tech firm. And, and we've heard about all of those. But at the end of the day, they'll be looking at productivity. And if they see that productivity from workers working from home is lower than those in the office. They will be given their marching orders back But I think the there's another issue there. They've invested a huge amount in these large properties and they want a return on that investment. It's very difficult to walk away from some of those leases and that capital investment they've put into those buildings. And I actually think that's another part of it. They want to sweat that asset. And I, get people I think into you it. might be right, John. I also think, you know, that the ship has kind of sailed here. That We're not going back. Well, I, I, <laughs> I think, you know, you'd go back if you, as you say, Lorcan, maybe you're bounced into going back but by choice nobody wants to go back yeah and like I mean the previous article we discussed about the level of full unemployment or full employment in the country that certainly helps workers at the minute because you can say that oh you know well things are good in the economy and there's other jobs out there whatever and I can choose but if pressure does start to come on the labour market where you see job losses it will shift the power back to employers to make the demands rather than at the moment it's the employees making the demands I think you're dead right Uh, and that's a good point finally Joan to you um if you want to sense your mood, um, if you want, if your husband can't read your mood, send him an emoji. It's one little thing, one little picture, and it tells a thousand tales.
I, like I really, that, the, like the red one where the head is exploding. And all and I can say, I'm really, I'm really annoyed here. All I can say is, Bobby, I, I live on my own. My mother said when I quit smoking, do you find yourself irritable? I said, no, I live on my own. Who the heck could irritate me? So I think best ask Lorcan whether or not he feels his wife could read his mood on. If he could read his wife's mood in the emoji, would that help him Would more? you go for one emoji, Lorcan? <laughs> well, interesting, just sort of what the story here in the Daily Mail says that uh, a study by the University of Milan says that men are able to better read uh, digital faces rather than human faces. <laughs> I don't know what that says about my gender, but um, I, I'm not going to comment on any of what right. said by my wife. Well, look, thanks for a great review of the papers. John Mulville, Lorcan Allen. Have a lovely Easter and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Bobby. Happy thanks, Easter. Bobby. Down to Business with Bobby Kerr. Brought to you by Bank of Ireland. Saturday morning at 11 on News Talk.